Today we're reading from Daniel, the third chapter, 17 through 27. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, Your Majesty. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed, their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Good morning. Thank you, Mary, for, uh, for reading that uh, for us this morning. I think my favorite part of, uh, of that reading um, is the part, uh, verse 16, where it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up, even if he does not. So as I was studying for this uh, sermon, I'm going to share with you the the trip that God took me on. I think this is a really good example of God's power and of his love. I love how faithful Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were that even if God didn't rescue them, they weren't going to forsake him. They trusted the purpose that he had for them. We know, of course, the best example of the length God will go for us is his passion and death on the cross. 
Remember, Jesus was forsaken by God, and he suffered more than any of us can ever imagine. Our God loves us. He gave up his throne in heaven, and he came to earth just to suffer and die so that we could know him. You see, the pinnacle of human existence is not what our culture teaches us. It's not about having the most money, the most toys, being the most powerful, or being famous. It's not even to live a life of perfect happiness without pain or suffering or anything of that nature. The pinnacle of human existence for which we were designed is to know our Creator. God wants us to know Him as He knows us. The purpose for which we were designed is this, and without it, we will never be or feel fulfilled. God knows this. Sometimes we know this, sometimes we don't. He's on a mission to accomplish this purpose so that we will know Him if we let Him. John 17, 22-23 illustrates this. It says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you loved me. So as I pondered that, God brought to my attention one of the things that we often talk about in church circles is the miracle of healing. If you love God and you follow God, why aren't you healed? Why do faithful Christians suffer with diseases, with pain? I know many people in this room have pain or illness. We know that God is all-powerful. We know that God is all-knowing. We also know that God is good. We know that God can cure any illness, problem, or malady with a thought. So if God can fix any problem and he is good, why isn't everyone healed? Some well-meaning Christians might say, if you had enough faith, God will heal you. With this thought, the key to healing is our faith. If we have enough faith, we can be healed. So does that mean if we aren't healed? then we don't have enough faith? Let's see what God's Word says. The first recorded incident of Jesus saying, your faith has made you well, is in Matthew 9. This is the woman with the issue of blood that Christian shared a few weeks ago. Jesus also says, your faith has made you well to the ten lepers, who I think we also discussed a few weeks ago. And that's in Luke 17, 19. The healing that these people experienced is expressed in the original Greek 
by a form of the word sozo, S-O-Z-O, which means to preserve, rescue, save from death, or keep alive. But sometimes sozo also refers to spiritual salvation, which is also linked to a person's faith. So when you think about the prostitute that was at Jesus' feet with her tears, he told her much the same thing. Your faith has saved you. When Jesus spoke of the faith of the woman with the issue of blood, his healing was likely much more than just physical. It was a spiritual healing as well. As he said, go in peace. When Jesus said to certain people, your faith has made you well, he was saying that their faith or their confidence in him had been the means of their restoration. The power of Christ was what affected the cure, but his power was applied in connection with their faith. But just as the faith of some enabled them to receive healing, so healing was sometimes stymied by a lack of faith. In the same way, salvation comes to a sinner through faith. Everyone who is saved must believe, but it is the power of Christ, not the faith, that saves. Faith is only an instrument. It is not the power of God. In other words, the value of one's faith does not come from the one who expresses it, but on the object in which it rests, God. Healing is not contingent upon the quality of your faith. It is contingent upon the healer. We know that Jesus didn't heal everybody. For example, the scripture that Pastor Kristen had shared about the disabled man at the pool of Bethesda, he was not the only one there. Jesus chose only one person to heal at that time. This man was healed by God's grace. He didn't even know who Jesus was. He had no faith in Jesus and didn't realize who it really was until much later. Another example is the man born blind that's discussed in John 9. Jesus said he was healed so the works of God could be displayed in him. He also didn't know who Jesus was and so didn't really have faith in him. The man in John 9 later comes to the full realization of who Jesus is. But realize that Jesus' healing of these men really had nothing to do with their faith. It was all about God's will. Let us understand that everyone whom Jesus willed to be healed was healed. Sometimes he heals those who have faith in him. And he made a point of emphasizing the condition of their heart. Your faith has made you well, he says. Other times, in his great mercy, he healed those who had no faith at all. Now, the Bible says, by his wounds we are healed. So, this is the way that Jesus makes a path for us to experience the forgiveness of sins and spend eternity to him. But we can't take this promise about salvation 
and make it universally true to every illness. That's not what the word intended. God does not heal every person who has enough faith or prays the right prayer or even those that give enough money. By his wounds, our sin-sick souls can be healed. That is his intention. But we may or we may not be healed from cancer, diabetes, heart disease, or whatever else that might ail us. The greatest proof that God has not made healing available to everyone is the disciple Paul. When his companion Epaphroditus was sick, Paul couldn't heal him. And we all know the story of Paul, who prayed three times for his own condition and still wasn't healed. God has not made healing available to every person, leaving the outcome just in our hands if only we had enough faith. Rather, he heals or doesn't heal by his will. What are the problems that might come with the idea that if you only have enough faith, God will heal you? Well, first of all, you might do anything in your power to prove your faith. This could include giving large sums of money to people who claim they can help you, or it might make you feel guilty if you're sick that you don't have enough faith, or maybe you'd feel that your faith isn't meaningful. It can give false hope to people that are healthy because they think, I'm healthy, I must have a lot of faith because God's always healing me. It can create a judgmental attitude towards people that are sick. Why can't they just believe? If they could just believe, they'd be fine and God would heal them. I think we all know that's not true. Let us understand that God can do as he wishes, however he wishes, whenever he wishes, with or without our faith. We cannot manipulate God with our faith. He is not limited by our faith. Sometimes people believe and are healed of their physical problem. Most of the time, they're not. But either way, In life or death, a believer can trust the sovereign plan of God and the great hope of a future with God in heaven. Let's think for a moment. What are the consequences of illness when you believe in a loving and perfect God? You struggle, maybe on a daily or even hourly basis, with pain, lack of strength, lack of energy, lack of ability, unable to do the things maybe that you once could. What is your response if you love and follow God? You call on Him. You pray to Him. You get closer to Him. You build a relationship with Him, and you get to know Him. By this, you are healed. Not always a physical healing, but this is a more important healing. This is a healing of your soul. I think about the people here in church. My wife, my own problems, which I think are small in comparison to some of what you guys go through. Why am I hurt? Why am I ill? Who wanted me ill? Was it Satan? Was it God? 
I think the obvious answer is Satan. But I also know that God must have allowed it. Just like the Apostle Paul. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, saw God's sovereignty, grace, and humbling purpose of his disease. To share with you a scripture, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. You can insert whatever ails you. A messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I, that's Paul speaking, will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. So, have I, have we, trusted God enough to heal us? People have prayed for me. People have prayed for you. Maybe God chose not to answer our prayers that way. We know, we just shared, that Paul asked God to remove his disease three times, not a thousand times, or even a hundred. God made it clear that his affliction had come from his gracious hand. Paul had no further desire to ask God to remove that which the Lord had given him in order to create a greater Christ-likeness and dependence upon God. I have asked God to heal me more times than Paul has asked God to heal him. And as I consider, if I or we could simply wish away our pain or our illness, apart from some direct revelation that God says we should do so, would we? Should we? Should we use that power? God has the power to heal me and heal you in an instant, but he has chosen not to. He must have a reason. Can you see how God has used an illness in your life to minister to you or ones you love? As we read the scriptures, we come to understand that they deal a lot more with spiritual growth than they do with physical health. We often say that God is more concerned with our character than our comfort. It's true we should pray for ourselves and our suffering loved ones. Not simply to try and pray away suffering, but to pray for God's purpose and their glory and His glory in our suffering. Remember, you wouldn't have an illness if God didn't allow it. Should we not trust our all-knowing, all-powerful Creator that He knows what's best for us, even when it hurts? Does he not know the best way to change and grow us into the image of his son? When you pray only for healing, what are you praying to miss out on? Shouldn't we learn to pray that our suffering causes growth? That God will give us little glimpses of heaven as we seek to endure our illness? And that he would use us in the process? 
Again, we know that God can sometimes heal physical ailments, and we should celebrate this when He does. But ultimately, all healing in this world is only temporary, since people's bodies will inevitably deteriorate and pass away. But let's find comfort in the knowledge that resurrection healing will be permanent. All praise to our God. Let's talk for just a second on how much faith you have. Where does faith come from? God gives faith because of His grace and mercy, because He loves us. Faith comes from God. It is not something you earn. It is only because of what Christ did on the cross that God gives anyone faith. Faith comes from hearing the message And the message is heard through the word about Jesus Christ. It is the word that produces faith, not any effort that we do on our own. Someone could receive faith while hearing a sermon about teaching the gospel. Someone else by reading about Jesus in the gospel or in the Bible. Anytime the true gospel of Jesus is shared, there is the potential for faith. Faith is not the product of a compelling sermon. It is not the product of a speaker's eloquence or charisma, thank goodness, or even his theological soundness. Faith is given through a message, a simple message about Jesus and how much he loves us. So, like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, even if God doesn't heal me, even if God doesn't heal you, it is not about your faith. It is about God's divine providence and his knowledge about what is truly best for you. We are all on a journey. We have to make a decision. Are we going to trust God no matter what? Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego did. And God was glorified, and they were blessed. God will use us in the same way if we are willing. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good for those that love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So are we going to trust him? I've been asking God in prayer, why am I pursuing this tract of being a pastor? Is this really what you want for me? What, what do I see myself doing in the future? And he said to me, I don't want you to do anything. I want you to know me. He wants to know each and every one of us. He said to me, you just can't keep going and doing. You need to come to me. And you need to give up. He is there for our comfort. Only what he has will satisfy 
And he put in my head the image of a young child, like when they get hurt or they're scared or afraid. And you just curl up in your parents' lap. And they just hug you and embrace you. That's what God said. He said, embrace me. Let me change you. You are my child, and I can't love you anymore. That's what he says to each one of us. I know it hurts. I know it's difficult. Let me change you. I have something better for you. You need to know me. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to hear it. Thank you for letting me share it, Lord. I praise you for how much, God, that you love us, that you have a purpose for us, and it is simply for us to know you. Everything good comes out of that relationship, God. We need to know you. We need to love you. We need to grow in you. We thank you for the privilege. In Jesus' holy and precious name, I pray.